0: the making of a marketer the podcast that takes you around the world of marketing one topic at a time hosted by digital marketing consultants jess nickerson and andy pondillo we welcome you to join the conversation stream us on spotify apple podcasts or google podcasts now here are your hosts jess and andy We're back on the making of a marketer, Jess and Andy here with you as we continue our employment branding series. And you'll notice it's just two of us today, Jess, we're going to do an old school episode, how we started the podcast before we started testing different formats and things out, but just us. So I'm excited to really dig into this and have a good conversation today.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we we have some perspective to share. I know. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, we got some some, uh, experiences we can discuss. But before employment branding, we got something big to discuss today. So Jess, you and I, we haven't, we've talked about, we need to have just a life episode. We haven't done that for a while. So we both have life updates. They're both very exciting, but I'll start off with you, Jess. So, you know, what's your big life update that's happening right
1: now? Oh, the the big life date, which is slowly, actually quickly becoming a reality, is that I am pregnant with uh, my second baby and she's going to be arriving in a, a, a few weeks now. So it's, it's we're really coming down to the wire here. and you know Andy, you know we we've made the joke that this is my my uh, Second uh, experience where haven't really been in the workplace, so none of none of our colleagues, no one has seen me pregnant, and so it didn't really feel like it was real until we've hit this stage. But I'm, you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm excited, of course, and I and I'm really excited to see what we do uh, while while I'm out. So I'll be taking a few weeks off from the podcast where Andy and I are still working out the details and we're gonna we're gonna have some fun and incredible uh, guest co-hosts to join Andy during that period so more to come and it will it will be enlightening
0: and we're so excited for you Jess so uh, it's, you know, it's a time in your life. Like you, you have done this once you your second kid, you're moving up by a hundred percent, uh, <laughs> here, but I know that these times will be very, very special to you. And we want you to take the time, um, to enjoy that, but also know that Jess will be back on the podcast, you know, once you're, you know, ready to rejoin, but in the interim, we'll be doing some different things, some different co-hosts. I actually am going to see our friend Brad in a few weeks he's going to be doing stand-up comedy an hour from me so I might see if he can record some jokes for the podcast so we'll have some different content we'll be bringing to the table
1: or and how much fun would it be if you did maybe a live recording from his comedy club
0: that would be awesome. You know, I, I need to be like, Brad, like, first off, is this, you know, PG, uh, LinkedIn appropriate? Am I going to get flagged for putting this on the live stream? You know, you can put the explicit tag on Spotify. We don't have that tag. But LinkedIn won't be quite as friendly on the live broadcast. of like, Brad, just make sure that we can air it. But he'll be a lot of fun for sure.
1: So exciting.
0: So my news, Jess, it's uh, my news is a little bit more long form right now. So (laughs) I did get engaged to my uh, now fiance of a couple of years. So fun story about us. We met during the pandemic. Um, I moved to Pittsburgh and I moved for a job one week before everything shut down. So I accepted the job offer in January 2020. It was like COVID was on Twitter. And we're like, wow, that's kind of scary. But you didn't like stop your life or anything. So we went forward with it. My start date was in March. And it was like by the time the job started, it was like, okay, this is really bad. I hope they keep the job offer. I've already put in my two weeks. Like, uh-oh. But I got up here. Everything looked remote. I didn't know anybody. And the joke that I, I tell to a lot of people is I didn't have a human-to-human conversation because I was in a single bedroom by myself I didn't talk to a physical human for about four months. Um, I, th- I believe the number was. So um, the only person I, I guess if you talk to talking to somebody in a mask at a beer store, um, I talked to them. But like an actual like, human, you know, the person real conversation. I didn't talk to someone in months. So it's kind of special that Kristen and I met was one of the first people I met when I was up here. Went really well. Things built. We are able to do stuff once things reopened, and here we are. So, July twenty seventh, twenty twenty four, will be the date, and it's exciting.
1: Congratulations, Andy. You. you you may be given your experience, and and I do believe these things uh, all are meant to happen. It's like the move was your your growth yeah. opportunity, but you may be one of those people. Just given the fact that you had no contact, that you would ask her to marry you on your first date. Something that we talk about. Well, was, well, like the
0: reality show style.
1: Yes. Yeah. Just you know, you were you were itching to go, but it was meant to it was meant to be and, and happen in that way. And I'm I'm so excited for you too. Thank
0: you. Thank you. We couldn't be more excited how things have evolved. It's just, you know, it's one of those things. I think there's so many stories that people are still telling that came out of those years and what we're hearing now. And, you know, it's our personal story. It'll, you know, when we're at the wedding, of course we'll have, you know, it's like the transcript of how you met and all of that stuff. And it's definitely something that we'll talk about for a really long time. You know, it's funny you bring that up, getting the married at first sight type thing There's actually a Netflix documentary right now that I might watch. This is going to be one of those, you know, if you, if you stay up late, one of those like midnight, you know, shows that you watch right before bed, but it's actually about a couple that met during COVID. And I think it was on their third date, like COVID was starting and they just took a trip to like, it was the Bahamas or Cancun or, or something. And then they just stayed there through the pandemic together under their third date. And I was like, you know this is like a heartwarming type documentary. I was like this this sounds like a horror movie or a true crime documentary. So like I'm real curious if it takes a turn or not or if it just stays happy the whole time.
1: Yes, and for our for our new listeners, the context here is we've we've referenced this in many episodes and, and shows where we 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 give the advice to marketers like would you ask someone to take an action or marry you on a first blind date? And generally the answer is no. And that really just supports this idea of how you have to get to know the, the, the person that you're marketing to and, and really tell that story and connect before you can ask those, those hard hitting questions.
0: Yeah, we were definitely in the awareness phase um, in the first <laughs> three dates. I would say we didn't start retargeting till probably like four months in or something like that. So if like dating was like marketing, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean what, what about you just uh, this like pregnancy of marketing stages at all? Is, is there any like, correlation you can make there?
1: It's a long cycle. I will I will give it that <laughs> nine month sales both, cycle. Yes, both cycles are long.
0: Yes. And you most, need to have
1: patience.
0: And talking about through the marketing end too. Like I when I see what the weddings like how everything, what it costs, I was like, hey, like these people that start businesses, like, you know, they go and start like bars or start a local restaurant or sell some t-shirts, have an online Etsy store, whatever it may be man, like the wedding business is the way to go because the price is the price. And, you know, depending on what it is, you can make it really whatever you want, whatever the, the, the demand tells you it should be. And, you know, we start getting into that. And I was talking to some of my married friends and they're all like, yeah, we got into the wrong business. But, you know, same with, you know, with, with having a kid is that, you know, the, the formula, the clothes, the Um, you know, if you do daycare or anything like that, it's just like, these are really strong businesses and there's definitely a lot of marketing appeal to them.
1: Andy, I I think we're either on to a potential future series or a reality show, just talking about all the ways marketing applies to all of these experiences and industries. Cause you're right. There are parallels
0: Always, always a parallel somewhere, and they're very healthy businesses, so they're they're never dying. So, um, but with that, let's talk about what our meat and potatoes is for today. Just and I are going to continue the employment marketing branding discussion we were having last week. We kicked off with Chris Malin. Today, we're going to talk a little bit more about our specific experiences in employer marketing and. You know, I think they're pretty different for everybody. You know, it, it's like I had to really think about it before we got to this episode. But I had to stop and think. Branding for me, we think all the time. I think most of us default to e-commerce, Coca-Cola, McDonald's. Like that. we think marketing, you think of these brands, you think of these quick transactions, but there's so much more to it. And that's what we really learned is that the principles of This type of B2C marketing really also applies to employer employment marketing. So I started thinking about what has attracted me to different places within my story. So I will start with my story and then Jess, I want to hear yours, just kind of how you started in your career, like what attracted you. So I touched on this briefly when we were talking to Chris last week is in radio, TV, there were, you know, a lot of things happening when I was in it. I was a radio host during the Pandora was rising era. I was a radio host when podcasts started popping up in the 2010s. Spotify came out, and there was a big push uh, from Clear Channel now iHeart Radio or Media to try to almost templatize radio quite a bit. It's basically doing less with more. So it's how can you simulcast radio shows out, have one host that could do 17 local shows versus having 17 radio hosts. Similar things across the industry. We've seen this other places, automation, industries change, radio is no different. So it was a pretty tough industry. You know, digital really impacted radio and turned it into... A medium that exists, but probably doesn't exist at the same scale that it did 30 years ago. And that's just why we know with the radio industry, I wouldn't be surprising anybody by saying this to them, they would say probably a similar statement. So when I saw that happening, I'm someone that was a radio host, but also doubled up in digital. Um, I ran pages on social media because I was the youngest person in the room and I enjoyed it. Uh, so I volunteered and did it for free, you know, it eventually became a split role where I did radio producing and also did the digital came a full-time role. And then one day I was like, heck, what if I just rode this thing all the way and switch gears in my career, you know, switching gears in my career for me, meant I went into marketing with no marketing, uh, no degrees, no background, no certifications, no MBA, nothing. Like it was just, hey, I've done this. I was really good at it in radio. I got us to go viral a few times with some crazy stunts that we pulled I wouldn't do now. Um, but it's kind of like this is a cool looking industry. I'm looking at it through a macro lens. I'm seeing things that Google meta LinkedIn, some of the big players are doing. And I'm like, you know, hey, this would be something I could do. You know, I have no idea how to get into it. (laughs) You know, I'm just going to apply. I wasn't naive. Like I couldn't just go from radio and and go work at LinkedIn. But what was a pathway that might get me there? So I started trying to figure out through an employment branding lens, which of these places I could work for could potentially take me to, you know, doing social media at a, at a much higher lens. So I started seeing what their culture was like and, you know, what types of initiatives they did, whether it be, you know, charity based or it be, you know, group based supporting causes, whatever that is, I start taking note of what it was. And I started kind of just being Jedi mind tricked to where, you know, I knew what types of marketing agencies did what. I knew what LinkedIn was doing. I knew who, what everybody was doing in the industry. I knew it might be a little more cutthroat. Like you start kind of seeing that lens and if they weren't posting on social media, I would never know. So a thank you that I put up Chris last week is, I feel like that was a big turning point for me to see what companies were doing and kind of vindicating that it was a right move for me to switch my career. So- That's another kind of entry story into this topic is to just one story about how it impacted me. But I'm curious, Jess, what maybe your experiences are in the employment branding lens and if it had any effect on you in your days.
1: Well, absolutely. I I started out in this space and while at LinkedIn, I was creatively consulting talent marketers before now working mostly with B2B marketers and, and B2C marketers. So I am I am very fascinated by this space. They're, they're, I'm definitely inspired by this space and how it's evolved. And I'm really curious too, Andy, with your story. So you use social media. So were you going to their company pages? Were you uh, going to their website? Like, how did you determine that they had cool cultures or like, you know, cultures that would resonate with your values and beliefs.
0: So I will tell you, this is, this is a joke. You know, I laugh at myself about this. The first entry point for me was the social network film. And again, I bring that, I think I've brought this up three different times, not reality. I've read the stories and said that there's not a lot true about it, but I was like the, the beginnings of Facebook And it was just like that aura of how big this could be, you know, and that was like, it opened my eyes that what I'm doing in social media right now could be more than just getting engagement on posts. Something for me that was really hard in my career is talking down to might not be the right word, but you were often told in the early days that social media does not create ROI. It's not a real marketing channel. You know, I, this is 2010, you know, 2011, so just, just you, things have changed, but that's kind of, you know, the thought process, so that movie opened my eyes, it's like, hey, this could be bigger, this could transcend, you know, the way that radio and TV did, me with that background in radio and TV, I know the history very well, because I had to take college courses on it, you know, to get to my degree, obviously, so I saw signs of how this industry was rising be very similar in a way to how different industries rose before it. So that helped. From there, definitely looked at their social media pages. If you remember in those days, the organic feeds for these companies were much more prevalent than they are now. So you did not see ads all over the place. You saw a lot more company culture posts. So it's a little easier for me to see. So uh, that helps. So kind of combining those two together, I started just kind of watching. I was looking at what people were talking about on LinkedIn. So I've been doing that since I would say 2014. Like I'm going on 10 years where I would just, I'm a silent watcher. Um, so employment branding can be beyond the company posting. It could be people, what they're saying that work for that company on LinkedIn, what they're doing, what types of articles were really big back then. You still see those, but they were bigger in the earlier 2015 range. So a lot of that, yeah, it was just, just me watching and kind of getting a vibe and, you know, dating even back before LinkedIn, of course, marketing agencies. So they would speak at different conferences. They would be posting on their pages. I would know somebody that went and worked at another one and they would be posting. So a lot of it was just the organic posting. So I think that's that power of organic really played a role for me.
1: and And with that, like what stories really stood? Out to you. Were like, was it more personal in nature, like the, the behind the scenes uh, around the culture, the images of employees?
0: I think it started when I saw the buildings they were working in. I know it's going to be silly, is that you know when, when I saw pictures of what a LinkedIn office looked like. You know, this is back when we worked in offices, so remote work wasn't really even a thing, but. You could just tell that there was a lot more funding going into tech than there was in radio and i was like wow you know they have it just to me gave the image that they have to be doing okay because some of the places i worked you know it's if you wanted to replace something or something costs a couple hundred dollars that could be a lot (laughs) you know like i that's why sometimes when i consult clients now. I take every cent into consideration. I don't want them to waste any money or if they are going to need to, I'll tell them they need to test. And this is kind of what, you know, what you need to think about when you're testing and what you need to invest in that. So it just gave an aura. Um, For cause-driven, you know, I definitely saw LinkedIn, this is in more recent years, looking from from afar that they never lost kind of their mojo of we want to bring a greater sense of community. I feel like in the tech world in itself, I feel like that's how Meta started. And I feel like Meta became big business corporate America. I do feel like to their defense, they're trying to get a little bit more back to that. I feel like there's a, a basically a circular motion happening right now. But for LinkedIn specifically, I like that 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 was spoken from the highest of highest of levels because it's just kind of something refreshing and different to see. Uh, also, me working with reps that work at LinkedIn, I could see what they were posting um, up until, you know, the, the last several years. So I followed them closely. So they would post about, you know, if you would have your week off in the summer, really cool, I've never had that before. Uh, they would post about some of the benefits they would have and some of the Fridays off. And so the work-life balance posts, those attracted me quite a bit. So I think there's different levels and different things people look for. I feel like that's something we'll talk about here today, too, is what should we be posting or looking for when talking about our brand?
1: Well, just based on your experience, you're you're really giving a, an, an evolution to how uh, talent marketing has has transformed because you are right there a few years ago more than a few years ago those type of of stories around like here's what the office looks like uh, as a way to like give the potential candidate an inside look into the culture those were huge and I would say I mean it's definitely uh it's definitely involving are evolving and like you said it's becoming more community based as we've experienced these changes changes to work and i would say one of the most important things now is really you know focusing on that story and how your community fits into that story and you know how it's going to impact your community so very similar parallels to what we tell B2B marketers and B2C marketers, but just like framing all of your stories and having them be emotional, personal around your community and how this will benefit your community. So same things apply. And for me, my specific example, like you hit on a lot of things on why I made a a change from employment space to to tech and going to Microsoft and at the time with their with their story their branding it it really was uh, like giving me that inspiration that I needed to have this opportunity to like really grow in my career just given the scale of Microsoft and how large Microsoft was and how global they were in nature and how many people they actually impact from a global standpoint. I I thought, wow, I I have an opportunity not only to grow at such a large organization, but then also to like impact a lot of people and learn and, and, and continue to evolve in, in my career. So that I mean, I, I see some parallels there for sure.
0: And was there anything specific that Microsoft was posting that got you to, to really be interested?
1: Well, I will say it, it is more about like the, the like the their global scale. Like they weren't, they weren't saying, yeah, you're gonna, if you come here, you're gonna change the world. It it wasn't like that. It was more like this is our global footprint. And our impact. And, you know, there is opportunity here for you to grow and be a part of that impact. And now, what they're doing really well is as their story has evolved, they're really focusing on uh, Satya Nadella's thought leadership and even like, like pumping in more customer empathy and just empathy for their community and talking about how what they do is really empathizing with, uh, you know, the communities that they're building and impacting. So that, you know, well done Microsoft uh, for, to really focusing in on those customer stories and uh, like the, the the stories that directly impact the customer and their growth and uh, their, their opportunities. And what's
0: interesting, too, about what Microsoft is doing, a lot of it, again, is not paid ads. It's a lot of just taking what you're already doing, having savvy content creation. You know, this this dives into what we talked about a while back when we talked about building a content calendars and preparing and structuring and moving your chess pieces around. Mostly everybody that works at a larger institution has some of this, but how are you phrasing it and writing it specifically for uh, an employer branding strategy, which leads me into this question. Uh, Jess, you do consult on this with some of your clients. So what has been your focus lately? Is it on that strategy, which you're talking about Microsoft and building on community? Is there a way in 2023 that it should be done? Because we talk about, the old school showing offices. I don't think showing offices strikes the same chord that it did nine years ago. So, what is the 2023 technique that you've liked to to see right now?
1: Storytelling, story storytelling, uh, and then uh, infusing um, emotions. We've uh, talked about this before, but it, it it's if it comes off too much like a marketing story or coming from the marketing team or coming from corporate communications. It doesn't come off authentically anymore. Like people really want to connect on that emotional level. And it's very important to be authentic and to be personal even on LinkedIn like we we can see how the platforms evolve too and the conversations are, have evolved and people are becoming more vulnerable and they're 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 speaking more about what's on their mind it's not just uh, business but in, when you get to those stories where you can incorporate some business but also too it's like the focus around again your customers the communities that you're trying to build and how you are supporting them like that is. That is a silver bullet, if there was a silver bullet. And we talk about how there aren't silver bullets, but it's just really focusing on that storytelling element.
0: And if I could give anybody some homework right now, when it comes to employment marketing, what's being done out there? What is a 2023 strategy? The brand that I'm really looking at is called Duolingo. Have you have you heard of them, Jess? Yes. So they are headquartered about 20 minutes from here. Their headquarters is in Pittsburgh. Got a cool office, but you know, they're more than just the one office. They do the remote hybrid type roles, but really interesting because they're a language learning platform. They're a platform, a product that we've seen in a lot of different ways uh, when it comes to language learning. There's a lot of competition in that market, but there is not one company that stands out further than what they do. They're they're fun, multicultural. They talk about how they are investing in other regions to help people learn English or, you know, different languages, how it brings communities together. They have a taco stand outside of their headquarters in Pittsburgh, where when you order tacos, they teach you how to order tacos in Spanish. It's an educational um, aspect uh, to, you know, learning Spanish and introduces you to their brand. Um, they have a mascot you see all the time doing goofy things. They've taken some risks on TV where they had a commercial on April Fool's, which was about a dating show. But they had all these people that had been on dating shows before. And the the catch was that everybody spoke a different language on the dating show. And they had to learn how to date different languages. People weren't sure if the commercial was real or not real. It went viral. Great play. But a lot of this, what they do in terms of just their big brand marketing, they cross over the same language about how they're building communities. And you could work with their community to basically follow their mission in ensuring people have easy access to learning more languages. Probably, I think I think they went public. They did go public. I do know that because they are at the stock exchange. But they are moving up the ladder quick from startup to major player in the tech game. But they're doing it in a way that isn't strictly just business, business, business. It's personality, personality, personality. And they're doing it without a playbook. And it's fascinating to watch. There will be, in my opinion, several companies in the next five to 10 years that will take the Duolingo playbook and will try to do it all over again in a different way. So I would say if you're watching for employment branding examples, you need examples. Even if you're a major company of, of 80,000 people, I think you could learn something from Duolingo. So that'd be my takeaway is like, if you're looking for inspiration, just start looking at their pages. Uh, LinkedIn somewhat, but really TikTok, Facebook, they're really heavy into that right now.
1: Mm-hmm. So, and I love this too. And this is a great piece of advice for our our marketers out there. When you're, when you're building these strategies, think about the, the companies that, you know, personally inspire you. So if you like, just like what Andy mentioned, like, you know, he likes what this company is doing and then go, you know, go look at them and, and think about like, what are they doing? Like that is really resonating with you. Like what, how are you feeling as a result of the interaction and then start putting your list together and it doesn't need to be in the same industry mm-hmm. actually other industries are are preferred to really unlock some of those creative ideas and then get into a brainstorm with your team and position a, a constraint or a question around so like how would you know we need to do this with our strategy or we need to connect with our community this way how would This company do it? How would the you know another company do it, etc.? And then you can really start unlocking some creative opportunities.
0: Sometimes I think it's almost good practice to try to write content for companies you don't even work for. I don't know how you make that a work (laughs) exercise, but um, this is a larger conversation for another day. But I was actually interviewing for jobs as well as unemployed several years ago, and they as a hiring practice wanted me to write a social media marketing plan for Toys R Us and how I would rebrand Toys R Us and present to them as an agency. That thought process got me going all over the place. Like I was, do we stick to e-commerce? Should we look at different brands? What type of entry-level branding are they doing? Do they need to expand their audience? Are they, does their message right now actually reach people. So it was kind of a cool practice, but I think that's something that is useful to do. Almost put yourself in certain positions and what you would do. Uh, Last question here, as we close this out, Jess, uh, future of employment marketing beyond 2023, predictions, statements, what what do you think?
1: Oh, wow. (laughs) That is a loaded question. I I would say and, and again based on what we've been hearing from our guests as well you're you're really gonna continue to see these marketing functions aligning and coming together so like m- more of the connection between you know talent marketing or employment marketing and corporate marketing and B2B marketing and, and uh, consumer marketing, and how all of these, like how have all of these sub brands come together to really drive growth and uh, revenue for a business? And they're going to need to come together because I think the lines are blurring, and I
0: think there needs to be somebody. That holds the message of the brand that somebody is tasked. It could be CMO, it could be VP of marketing. You know, but that we see that though. There's like v, there's five VPs of marketing at some of these companies, and they all have different objectives. I think there needs to be someone that's held to the task that this is our message, and we have to see the consistency across every lens of marketing. If we don't see that lens, you know, where how do we fix it? But how do you do that at the same time without having so much red tape that you can't have innovation? So I think that's kind of balancing act. And I I feel like it's on us as marketers to be scaling and learning all these different avenues of marketing and not saying that, hey, I'm the B2B guy or, hey, I'm the B2C guy or, hey, I'm the product person. Hey, like I do marketing and don't know sales. Like I think there just has to be some... There has to be some oomph that we always know some of it. You don't have to know all of it. She knows some of it and where it connects and how to connect it.
1: Absolutely. And creative inspiration there. A brand that has been doing this well for years, uh, based on uh, Steve Jobs' direction, is Apple. And they, they, you know they they have the overall like the the marketing brand initiative that needs to impact, like coming from the top, that needs to impact every aspect of their brand and their marketing strategy.
0: I just will never want to wear the Steve Jobs, like black sweater thing that he wears. And it looks very hot and like I'd be sweating through that. So that's why we're black though. So you can't see when you're sweating through it. But Great examples, Jess. Great podcast. And we will continue this series next week. So uh, if you have any employment marketing questions, definitely let us know. Otherwise, more guests on the way, more sub-verticalization of this on the way. So we'll be excited to share more. Until next time, thank you again for listening to The Making of a Marketer. We'll see you next week. Sounds great.